Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're, you're listening, listening to Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli. Ian, Michael Perry. And we're here, hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly. Paranormal. Weekly. Weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> This is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to the ghost host with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to Ghost Host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Roth, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, The Building of the Ghost Adventures Crew, and founder of NickRothTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. That's right, it's the ghost host show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. And now on ghosthunting.com, too, as well, and also, too, on Spreaker, just added, too, as well, as a lot of your favorite places to find podcasts. Congratulations, Sophia, on over 12 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com and History FM. Thank you, Rob Sirk, the site founder, for providing this format each and every weekend to our moderators. Thank you guys so much for patching us through at live events. We had no Internet feed over the years. Thank you guys for all of your help. Feel free to call into the show at 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316. As well, feel free to jump into the LiveParanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to get an avatar in your part of the LP family. Any questions for a guest, make sure that they are all caps so that we can uh, distinguish questions uh, from the chatter in the chat room. 
And I hope everyone's safe out there. Today we welcome Annie's and uh, Disney Plus uh, Ghost Hunters co-lead investigator, co-owner of Paranormal Warehouse, host of the American Ghost Hunters show, executive producer of Epic Haunts, he's a lecturer, and the horrors of the House of Wills author, Daryl Marston. Everyone on uh, Twitter, at Daryl underscore Marston. Uh, Instagram, at Daryl Marston Ghost Hunter. Paranormal Warehouse at Paranormal WH. Daryl's book, The Horrors of the House of Wills, available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Next weekend, we have San Diego Ghost City Tours host Janine Haynes on the program. That's the 30th. Also, paranormal investigator and dark raven photography founder Drew Babinell will be on the program on October 7th. Author, Ghost Adventures producer, lecturer Jeff Belanger will be on the program on the 4th of November promoting his new Christmas book, uh, The Krampus Book. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. So uh, like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli on Live Paranormal, to learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. Also check out the membership packages and support the vendors here on Live Paranormal. Tonight on Live Paranormal starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, beyond the screen and Ghost Light Radio. And as always, monthly Mondays right here, Chip Coffee of 80s Paranormal State, Psychic Kids, Kindred Spirits, he's right here, as well as Ben Hansen, Amy Goodwin, David M. Roundtree, Stefan Brigatti, Indian Michelle Kopic, and Gearhart, and many more on this free network. Archive shows, they're available as free MP4 iTunes downloads immediately following the broadcast, and let's bring on our host here. Sophia, congratulations on over 12 years of broadcasting here. Thank you. I can't believe it's already been 12 years. You're doing a fantastic job. You've helped a lot of people through the years on the, with your program. you got all these sites, links, and everything. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at Temporelli with one L, and Instagram, just at Temporelli. Yeah, well, I know we cursed you with a long name. So you just drop an L and you get Sophia Temporelli on all sites there. Well, this is exciting. This looks like a really cool book, too, by the way, even the, the, the cover itself. Tell us about your guest. Today we welcome Annie and Disney Plus's Ghost Hunters investigator, co-owner of Paranormal Warehouse, host of the American Ghost Hunter Show, executive producer of Epic Haunts, lecturer and the horrors of the House of Willis author, Daryl Marston. Everyone visit Twitter at Daryl underscore Marston, Instagram at Daryl Marston Ghost Hunter, Paranormal Warehouse at Paranormal WH. Daryl's book, The Horrors of the House of Willis, is available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and let's welcome Daryl into the show. Hey, Daryl, thanks for coming hey. on today. Hey, guys, uh, great intro. Thank you, and congratulations on 12 years, Sophia. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, and thank you um, for the congratulations. I mean, congratulations to you on all yeah, of your congrats. success um, and taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me on. I'm, it's an honor being here, and, uh, yeah, I thank you. Well, I mean, to start off, I mean, you do so much within the field of the paranormal, but what really kind of sparked, was it experiences you had as a child, or did you always just kind of have an interest in things that are supernatural and spooky? Yeah, good question. Um, I actually grew up in a haunted house, but I was way too young to remember. I was six when we moved out. Um, I just remember the stories mm -hmm. my parents would tell me. But my first real paranormal experience that I can remember was a complete accident. Um, I actually got invited to a paranormal investigation at a place called Fort Delaware. Um, I went. It was like a Halloween-type event. And I actually witnessed, uh, long story short, a half-body apparition, my first time ever going on an investigation. And I was hooked from there on. And 
that's where uh, I got into it by complete accident. I didn't know what a ghost hunter was or a paranormal investigator at that point. And I just kind of honed my skills over the years and, you know, started investigating on my own. And uh, at the time I started dating my wife and uh, she got into it. And then we, it kind of grew from there. I, yeah, I mean, it's amazing just how those experiences when you're younger really shape you um, just as a person and as an investigator. Um, I mean, what was that like for you hearing those stories about where you lived? Did that scare you learning that that's kind of where you grew up? Or when you were a kid, did you just, you know, kind of accept it? Uh, I accepted it. Um, I accepted it for something I didn't understand, and I wanted <laughs> to understand about it, and that's why I started investigating. Like I said, I knew nothing about this when I got into it. I got into it late, you know, compared to a lot of people who are doing it when they're in their teens or 20s. I didn't get into it until I was, yeah, I'm going to date myself here, 34 years old. And um, and it grew on me, and it was a passion of mine. And then, it, you know, it, it led me to where I'm at today, uh, going from a hobby to basically a uh, full-time career. Did you ever find out what um, was kind of the history of that house you grew up in? No, it, it, it's, it's a shame because I was so young. It was a small farmhouse in, in the state I live in, the, the lower part of Delaware. And I don't even think it's there anymore, to be honest with you. Uh, and it kind, of, it kind of slipped to the back of my mind for many years until I started having – until I had my own experience. So, no, I really didn't get into the, the whole backstory to it. I do know it was about 200 years old when we lived there. And there had been wow. some people away on the property over the years, but that's about it for that location, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a crazy old house to live in, though. So um, definitely when you say that, I can see why you were having, well, your family was having experiences, because um, that's that's a really old house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, for us, yeah, I just came from the U.K. I just got back Monday. I'll tell you, I was staying in places that were over a 1,000 years old. These were houses. So I feel like <laughs> our history is like, wow, yeah. it's compared to theirs. Yeah, I was yeah. just talking to my mom about that. Actually, I'd seen a BuzzFeed thing, and it was like things that Americans do that other people are confused by. And it was like uh, Americans' obsession with haunted places. And I'm like, I, I feel like it's just because America is still so new that when there's like haunted stuff in other countries, it's a, mainly just this fascination also of just like how old the location is and just the history behind it, where people yeah. in other countries are just kind of used to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's 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 so surreal to step on in, onto land. I mean, not that we don't have it here, you know. Our just the mm-hmm. European history here is, is young, uh, but over there, it's just uh, they. I mean, I was staying in a city that was built by the Romans, and they still there's still a Roman mm-hmm. wall, and there's Viking churches still in this city, and it's so surreal to be in these places that are thousands of years old, and you're walking on. You know, Roman ruins and and uh, Roman bathhouses right in England. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy compared to our history and theirs. Right. For sure. And when you're investigating too, um, do you like knowing the history of the location when you go in there, or is that something that you kind of want to learn about after, um, for you know, avoiding confirmation bias? Um, how do you approach investigations? Well, I I kind of like knowing a little bit, not too much. I don't like mm-hmm. you know, my you know what I'm thinking and what what's going on in the moment. Uh, the thing with ghost hunters, you know, my time on there, like we would have 
docs of of information sent to us weeks in advance of everything that's happening on that on that and we 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 were quizzed to know everything you know every little tidbit of what happened on that property um but I don't like knowing honestly I don't because I find mm-hmm. some of the greatest ever captured you know was not knowing and going back and then kind of you know correlating with what happened in the past on some like EVPs and things of that nature that I've captured. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool to kind of, you know, connect the dots, you know, kind of going backwards instead of me knowing what happened a hundred years ago or 50 years ago and not knowing in the moment, capturing something, a really cool EVP. Like I did an investigation in, uh, in Ohio several years ago in uh, East Liverpool. And um, we kept getting on an EVP, axe murder, axe murder, for example. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what it, until I went back and looked at the history of this particular building we were in and, the block that we this building was on in the 1970s, early 1970s, there were two axe murders that happened within a five-year period on that block that were never solved. So that was kind of cool. Wow. To so, I mean, why would it, you know? So you kind of put that together. That's why I kind of knowing a whole lot of the, you know, history. Definitely. I mean, it's amazing just being able to look back and really connect those dots in the moment. Um because, you know, as investigators, when you're sitting in the dark, it's like, you know, sometimes you can't see what's going on. So it's you have to look at everything after the fact. So just not being able to know stuff so you can't just kind of, you know, try and fit the puzzle pieces together. And you can do that afterwards when your mind's clear, um, I think is so helpful. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, and I just the way I like doing it, but I, everyone has their way, you know, and, and I, I don't knock anybody else. It's just the way we learn and the way we, we like, you mm-hmm. know, taking in information. Definitely. I mean, I completely understand, too, the people that want to know everything when they go to a location because I love knowing stuff. So, I mean, it's great to just be able to go and kind of find out everything you can on a location and pull up all of the, like, cool information. But um, I – Personally, I also just like not having to think to myself, oh, am I just, you know, kind of trying to make that fit because I read it somewhere. So um, I think it's always just that fine line you have to walk as an investigator. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, on the other hand, too, like if I'm not investigating a location and I'm just visiting it, oh, God, please tell me the history. I want to know, mm-hmm. like, you know. I want to know all the, the the gory bloodshed, like, you know, being over in the U.K., like this castle we, we went to. It, the, the history of this location was insane. The, you know, the everything you could imagine happened there. And I want to know every bit of it. Yeah, hell yeah. Because uh, I wasn't investigating it, of course. But if it's the place I'm investigating, I kind of, yeah, I like pull back. And I don't really don't like being a part of this, the, the actual conversation there. What is the coolest or weirdest kind of historical fact that you've learned through your time investigating? Oh, um, wow. Coolest would probably be um, like some of the, uh, like, for example, um, and this is off the top of my head, but uh, the location I, I love doing a lot is uh, Fort Delaware. It's a, in my home state. And um we were actually, my wife and I, this is several years ago now, we actually called an EVP, um, and it was of a uh, private. His name, I believe his name was Private Black. And, um, like, we decided to go, like, why do we keep getting this name Black or Private Black on these EVPs? And we actually went back into mm-hmm. the archives 
of Port Delaware, and there was an actual private black who was stationed there as a Union soldier to uh, guard the Confederate uh, prisoners. So that was pretty cool, um, cap- being able to capture that and kind of go back, look in the history books where it's right there, you know, from the 1860s, saying, okay, Private Black was stationed here from this date to that date. And, you know, he actually passed away there, apparently. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how, but, you know, something like that is, you know, is, that, that's probably some of the coolest stuff that I've, I've been able to come up with. Yeah, that's awesome to just be able to find that. Um, cause searching through history is a lot, too. Um, so being able to find those little details is really just awesome to find when you're investigating. Um, but as you were saying, you were kind of overloaded with information while you were working on Ghost Hunters. But how did that all come about for you, um, becoming a part of the Ghost Hunters team? Oh, wow. That was um, – they actually found me um, on my um, my podcast. Uh, well, actually, it was a live podcast, live stream when I was doing the American Ghost Hunter show. Uh, they found me on there, and they contacted me, and uh, and it went from there. And next thing I know, I hit the ground running, and I was shooting Ghost Hunters. It was very fast. Uh, it happened with over, like, a two-month period. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Because it, it, I was one of those guys, I'll never do a paranormal show. Hell with that, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And never say never. Um, and, uh, next thing I know, I'm, 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 you know, investigating all these crazy locations all over the country, uh, people, that places, you know, people have not been able to go to and, uh, traveling everywhere. And it was pretty surreal. Yeah. You guys went to Alaska, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. It that was, was pretty intense. Yeah. Was uh, it's funny because I'm talking to you right now, and my wife just texted me a picture. Um, I'm on the front cover of the Hulu screen. My uh, my ghost uh, alone in Alaska. <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. Uh, as you said, it's pretty weird. Um, yeah, Alaska was uh, beautiful, insane. It was wild uh, and very very haunted uh, where we went. Uh, that was probably the most compelling evidence I've ever captured was in Alaska when I captured the the, uh, the full body apparition on my body cam twice. Um, pretty wild. Yeah, I mean that's so remote where you guys went to. Um, honestly, I think probably the scariest part as someone who's an investigator would be the actual trip to get to the Alaska town. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, you got to figure, I live on the East Coast, I live right outside of Philadelphia, so mm-hmm. it was about a half-hour flight to Seattle, then another, like, two-and-a-half-hour flight to Juneau, and then a four-hour boat ride, almost four-hour boat ride to Haines, Alaska, um, which that part of the the, uh, the channel, was a, you know, where you, tr- you travel from Juneau to Haines is actually closed in that time of year. They close it for three months because mm-hmm. the weather's just too um, so they had to charter a private ship for us to go over with all our equipment and everything. And the boat ride over wasn't so bad. We hit a couple of really bad snowstorms on the way there. Coming back, we actually had to turn around, and we got postponed for two days. Um, we had to stay there past our time. And uh, the weather was, yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, it, it was, yeah, I it was one of those things, like, in the moment, you're like, okay, this is going to make great TV if we survive it. Uh, mm-hmm. that's how, that's yeah. How it felt. 
do you uh, feel that the remoteness of the location kind of amplified um, the evidence you call, or do you think that it was just, you know, kind of what you would expect from, you know, um, Alaska with so much history there? No, absolutely. I believe it did. Uh, for, for the fact is, it's never been investigated by investigators. Mm -hmm. There, there's no, you know, there's no local teams going out there and investigating, or no TV or any other TV show. So the remoteness of it that looks, especially the, you know, the Halsey Land Hotel where we investigated mostly, um, it was very remote. Um, people, it was cl actually closed down that time of year. They shut it down for six months of the year. So there's no heat in the building. There's nothing. It's just, it's literally colder in the building than it is outside almost. And um, so whatever was there, I think it was kind of happy to talk to someone because no mm -hmm. one ever talked. They, all the reports were they would see this person or this thing, or they'd have these experiences, and they would run. Everybody would run. They, they don't understand. So where, in, you know, with us, we were actually approaching and trying to communicate, and I think it kind of caught on to that and understood it's very intelligent, whoever he was. I believe it was male. Um, I think everybody else did, too. But um, whoever he was up in the uh, Halsingland, the one we ran into, he was very intelligent, and uh, he was actually trying to communicate back with us by showing himself and making noises and uh, caught him on camera several times, uh, caught him on my body cam twice. We caught him on the uh, the uh, electron multiplying camera the, for uh, photon uh, events. We caught him on that once. Uh, yeah, so it was very interesting that he was making himself that much, that well-known. Like, you usually don't have mm -hmm. that ever. For sure. I mean, that's kind of like every investigator's dream to get that. Um, with the locations you went to on Ghost Hunters, um, do you feel that that one or any of the other locations kind of is a location that you would love to revisit or felt needed a follow-up? Yeah, I think uh, there's quite a few need a follow-up. I think the story wasn't completely told as it should be, and I do believe there's there's uh, there's a lot left on the table, um, especially in um, – Clifton, Arizona, uh, maybe Galena, Illinois as well. Clifton, Arizona was one of those places that uh, that was another wild one where, you know, it was got very dangerous and very crazy, um, That especially that second week we were there. We we were and, – and, and this is not anything, you know, pointing at Clifton, Arizona, saying it's a bad place. There are great people, amazing people there, mm -hmm. uh, but there were small faction of people who did not want us there. They did not want a film crew there. They didn't want people – because um, you got to understand, Clifton, Arizona, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's literally, it was an hour and twenty minutes from our hotel just to drive there every day. It's in the middle of the desert, and um, there was a small faction of people who did not want us there. So we we were getting death threats and things of that nature. And you can see it all in the episode. Uh, we were there for uh, fifteen or sixteen days, I believe, because we had to investigate the whole town which you, it's kind of impossible to investigate a whole town. I don't care how long you have. So we investigated, mm -hmm. I believe it was 11 or 12 buildings. And, um, but it was crazy active. Uh, every building was active and it, it was all kind of, the thing was, it wasn't just one kind of activity. You know, you were getting poltergeist activity in this building. You were getting apparitions in this building. You were getting a crazy EVPs in another building. It was just, it was, it was a gamut. It was across the board everywhere we went in that town. And I do think it needs to be picked back up and, you know, and, and, and finished the right way. 
Yeah, that's a lot of space to cover. Um, and you guys definitely did a lot there too. I mean, with 16 days filming and an hour and a half driving back and forth. So, I mean, uh, I can see why it needs a follow-up, but you guys really definitely put in the work as well. Yeah, we tried. I appreciate that. It was, it was rough. It was, I think it, it was very taxing on all of us, uh, at that point, like, yeah, I think we were all at each other's throats a little bit because it was, you know, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on, but uh, it was a good time, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would love to go back and uh, and refilm there. Yeah, I mean, those are some incredible locations. Um, definitely, extremely long commutes too. I mean, on Ghost Hunters, I think you know when you're watching as a viewer, you don't really think about the behind the scenes of you know. The, the long commutes and everything, and that really adds to just how draining um, it is on investigations. Um, so it's interesting to, you know, hear that side of your story as well to kind of see, you know, what is going on psychologically um, while you're investigating uh, with external factors. I mean, death threats while investigating or doing a show um, are hard on anyone, but that's, it's, I mean, that's insane to have to deal with. Yeah, it is. Um, and, but I, I think it comes, kind of comes with the nature uh, of what we're doing. Uh, and there are people out there, and we still got to remember this, there's people in the remote locations that don't want film crews there. They don't want people, mm-hmm. ghost hunters, or anybody coming there and, and kind of upsetting their way of life. So uh, you kind of got to respect them for that, uh, and I do very much so. And I, I have all the respect in the world for the people who don't want to you know, be a part of that. But um, yeah, it, it's very draining. It's a uh, it's a lot of travel, a lot of flying, uh, a lot of driving, a lot of living out of a suitcase for you know three four weeks at a time when you're shooting these locations. People don't take in. People just think, yeah, you show up at nine o'clock at night and you start investigating and you leave at three a.m. Doesn't work that way, unfortunately. Usually you're there probably about one or two in the afternoon and you don't leave until five or six the next morning on most of these locations. Yeah, those are some really long days. Um, and you still put in, you know, so much work and effort. Um, you're also the co-founder of the Paranormal Warehouse, if you want to tell the audience about that as well. Yeah, co-owner. Um, I, I didn't find found it, but I was, I was co-owner of Paranormal Warehouse um, for, you know, for several years now. Three years I've been co-owner. Uh, I started out with Paranormal Warehouse back in 2016 or 2017 as just one of the shows. Uh, where I was running the American Ghost Hunter show, and uh, I tell you, I fell in love with the business. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it was such a great you know opportunity, and it put me out there. It put took me to a new level. We were you know I was doing my podcast before that, where I was maybe getting a few hundred people listening. To where as soon as I jumped up there, I was getting thousands of people you know listening at one time, and uh, it really launched me into a whole different atmosphere almost. Uh, different level, and uh, big kudos to those guys, uh, everyone, you know, over at Paranormal Warehouse, and uh, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Great company, um, and uh, yeah, can't say enough great things about it. For sure. I mean, it's great that you were able to become co-owner. Um, what's the type of stuff that people can expect on the Paranormal Warehouse? Uh, well, Paranormal Warehouse uh, these days is mostly went to uh, content. Um it doesn't do so much, many of the um, actual uh, live shows like it used to. That was basically what it was built around live, um, like talk shows. Like, you know, they had live psychics, mm-hmm. live, or live 
paranormal, whatever. Um, now it's more content driven where it's um, done by like mostly TikTok type, you know, content, um, Instagram, uh, even uh, they do a lot of stuff for um, like companies like uh, Ravensburger, uh, which is the puzzle company. You know, like we did a lot of stuff for for Fox, you know, for Fox and for Disney, uh, for some of their board games and things of that nature. So that's the content that we do these days on Paranormal Warehouse. Well, I mean, that's super awesome, though. Um, I always see the Paranormal Warehouse on Facebook and stuff, and it's really great to see what you guys are doing over there um, and just all the content you make. Um, you know, I think the Paranormal has become so much more widely accepted in every, you know, new way that people can reach it through the internet is more for, you know, kind of the supernatural to be expected, um, not expected, but accepted and less taboo, which is so great just as investigators and people who are living in haunted houses. Yep. I mean, when I got into this, it was taboo. I mean, back in 2005 or six, I mean, you didn't talk about it. Uh, Not Mm -hmm. until the last years where, everybody all of a sudden has a paranormal story, which is really cool. And then you have these big mm-hmm. events we do. So, like I just came back from one over in uh, the UK where there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people who come. There's the people who are coming from America over there to, to be a part of this, you know, of a festival of the unexplained. So you see stuff like that. That's, that's pretty compelling. Um, you know, and, and it's great to see the people who are, who love the paranormal and love not just, you know, the ghost part of it, but now, now you talk about the you know, UFOs and, and cryptics and mm-hmm. things of that nature, all kind of the same lineage, um, even with the true crime type stuff. And um, it's really great to see that. It's great to see the people who are getting interested in it. And you're seeing even a younger crowd now, which uh, which is really nice to see as well. Absolutely. I started in the field when I was eight, and there was definitely no one my age, understandably. Um, but the, I went to Catholic school, and all the kids, you know, just looked at me strangely. I didn't really care. But then I get to high school, you know, by from one year in second grade, I think, to being in high school, you know, big gap of time. And the kids, they were, like, looking at me weird, were like, oh, my God, you should take us on the Queen Mary because we had a field trip there. And I was like, oh, well, that's a different reaction. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's cool to see the change over the years, but also so differing because you know you go to family events now, and people are like, "Oh, I want to talk about the paranormal," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, I want to eat food, but cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it, for for people who do it all the time, like you, me, and all these other yeah. guys. I, sometimes it's like, okay, I like I don't watch paranormal TV. Like people are like, did you yeah. see that episode? Uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not trying to be rude, but I watch it. I it's bad enough that I have to watch my own stuff. But uh, you know, I just like I, I I yeah, I need a break from it sometimes. Like when I'm not doing these events on the weekends, yeah. like I don't talk about it. My poor wife, when I come home, I think sometimes she wants to pick my brain, but I'm like she could tell like I'm just I'm cooked. I'm like done. Yep, don't want to talk about it. So. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's definitely how it is when you're an investigator. Like, um, I don't like, like, Universal Horror Nights or anything. I don't go to those, like, haunted houses at all. Um, people are uh, like, but you're, you're a ghost hunter. And I'm like, it's different? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. definitely it, nice to get a break from it. Well, it's wild to see, like, you know, especially in the last year or two, like, a lot of these 
these apparently Halloween locations are getting into the paranormal. Like I've been hired for a lot of mm-hmm. events for Halloween locations, which is strange for me. And um, mm-hmm. some of them I've investigated, which are kind of active, um, not on like a crazy scale or anything, but there's activity going on. Um, and it's wild to see that, you know, like they're getting into it, you know, and it's like, it's kind of like crossing over, like you're crossing paranormal horror now. And, you know, it, it is what it is, uh, but it's interesting to watch that. Yeah, it's kind of like the Comic-Cons where they start out kind of with sci-fi and now you have just, you know, tons of large movies and TV shows at them. So it's just really the crossover of fandoms, I think, um, where it's not yeah. so separated. People like whatever they like and, you know, it's cool when they mix like that. Right. Yeah. It, it, I think it's cool. I, I love it. I love the, uh, the mixing with the different, you know, the different genres. I love the mixing with the different, you know, people, the, the fan base and everything. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, especially like now I'm, I'm getting, you know, since the book came out and everything, I'm getting like a different, you know, fan base with the book, you know, people were into the books, which I was never a part of and I'm seeing that now. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool as well. So, yeah, it's 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 really nice to be able to kind of branch out, not just in the the whole, you know, paranormal TV show genre and kind of moving in different directions, especially with the book and, and things of that nature and uh, getting to meet new people and do different types of new events and things like that. It's really, it's really cool to watch. Absolutely. And we will talk more about your book. Um, we have to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back with more questions and you can hear about your awesome book. Yeah, it's the Ghost of the Show with Sophia Temperley on LiveParanormal.com. Yeah, uh, Daryl Marston's book, The Horrors of the House of Wills. It's available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com to get your copy. And also, too, he has uh, some great events coming up, too, as well. So if they're in your area for Halloween time frame, then we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Coast with the most... Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. Joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. and you are listening to the ghost host Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to <laughs> Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. 
I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Oh, poor Dave. I left out of the audio bites there. Okay, Sophia and means a lot of people are listening. The switchboard's working a little slow. Okay, Sophia and Daryl, we have you back. Thank you again so much for coming on today, Daryl. Uh, you're welcome. It's my honor. So before the break, you were mentioning your book, um, The Horrors of the House of Wills. Can you please tell the audience a little bit about your book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, the, the book uh, is about an investigation I did back in uh, 2014 uh, in a place called the House of Wills, which is in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And what you know, what happened there was I, I went there unexpected. I did I had no idea what this location was about. I heard the stories. You know, I had a couple of friends who said, you've got to come out here. You've got to check this place out. Um, you won't believe it. And I'm like, there's no way these stories are telling me it's true. There's no way. They're exaggerating, blah, blah, blah. So I went out there, you know, long story short, about three weeks after I started hearing about this location, I drove out to Ohio, which is about seven or eight hours from me, and I investigate this location. And I tell you, it's the one location that um, almost made me quit investigating altogether. Uh, I've mm-hmm. never felt it like this location as far as the energy goes. Um, I can only explain it to people when you walk in the door of this place that um, it feels like a living organism. Uh, It feels like it's not so much that there's spirits or ghosts there, which there is, um, but on top of that, it feels like the location itself is the haunting. It's it's alive. And um, give you a little bit of a backstory on it. It was actually um it was actually built back in the late eighteen hundreds by a thirty second degree Mason who was an architect. And he uh, if you know anything about the, the Masonic architects, they built things to harness energy. So if you mm-hmm. actually look at this brought to my attention um several weeks ago, which I didn't even really think about at the time, because there's actually blueprints in my book of the location, it's actually set up just like King Solomon's palace. Um, the way it was built, and I never really took that into consideration until it was brought to my attention. Uh, but you know, it, it was a Masonic temple to start out with, and then it became a German social club for many years in Cleveland. Uh, there was a, it was a very um, large German uh, neighborhood there at the time, um, German, German and Polish American, I believe. And um, over the years, it was it became a um, excuse me a hospital. And then uh, for several years, it was said to be a speakeasy, but we really couldn't find any, like, documented evidence on that. But if it was a speakeasy that was never, you know, found by the government, there would probably be no evidence anyway. And then in Mm -hmm. 1945, it became um, Cleveland's uh, largest African-American funeral home all the way from 1945 until the early 2000s when it was shut down due to fraud. Uh, So – you have all these different layers of things going on there. So it's that for several years, almost 10 years vacant, where the city, you know, took, a, took the property over and they were actually going to tear it down. And so a gentleman by the name of Eric Freeman around 2011 um, came in and purchased the property. Well, Eric Freeman is a high priest in the Church of Satan. He came in, he, him and Anton LaVey's grandson, Zach LaVey, came into the area. They started their own uh, church. They split her off from the, the Church of Satan and started the new Church of Satan. And what they did was um, 
Eric started bringing his beliefs into the building, um, rituals, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of demonic statues, things of that nature. So I think that's why the building is so in um, dark. There's such a dark energy there that uh, I think that's the reason why you have all the good and the bad before that. You have a really um, bad neighborhood now. East Cleveland, I'm not saying anything that's, you know, that's not known. East Cleveland's a very tough neighborhood now. Uh, there's a, mm-hmm. um, a lot of drive-bys and things of that nature, so there's a lot of uh, bad things happening out on the street right in front of the building. So you have all that energy and plus what he, he was doing inside the building. Um, so I think that's why the building was so dark and so negative, and um, I think that's what happened to me when I went there. I had something attach itself to me, follow me home, and play havoc on my life for about six weeks. Uh, my, not just me, but my family as well, my kids and my wife. And um, it was stuff that you'd only seen in movies, which I didn't, I didn't believe. Like, there's no way this is happening in my own house. There's no way I'm seeing this. There's no way these things are possible. And I was an investigator, and I'd never seen anything like, or heard of anything like this. Um, I only thought it was in the movies. Uh, black flies, things of that nature, things moving, um, Craziness stuff is all in the book, um, but yeah, that's that's the uh, the fast sport version of it. And the reason I probably I sat down and wrote the book because I've been doing shows just like yours for many years now, and everyone mm-hmm. always had the softball question: uh, What's the scariest place you ever been? I would tell them the story of this location, the House of Wills, and then like if Don came down, people kept asking, "You should write a book about it. Write a book about it." So COVID hit. I was sitting on my butt for, you know, a few months, and I sat down and started writing one night and didn't stop. And it was like therapy for me. I was rehashing all these things that I, you know, kind of buried and put away. And um, and it felt good to write it, so I kept writing and writing and writing. So, I, you know, I had the book. It was finished, but no, nothing to do with it. So I started pitching it to different publishing companies, and um, then Llewellyn picked it up, and now here we are. It's uh, it, it was, It's been out for two weeks now. Well, that's, I mean, amazing that, you know, you were able to get your book published and really channel everything that happened to you um, into something that you were able to share with the public. Um, But I'm so sorry that you went through all of that in your family. Um, It is really hard um, aspect of the paranormal, um, not knowing, you know, who or what you're talking to when you go into a location and, you know, if it's going to stay with you after. Yeah. Uh, it, the thing, the thing is too. I mean, and it's, it's good that you brought that up. Um, that yeah, I pro. It, it, it sucked. It did. It, at the time, it was really bad. Um, it was you know, it was it was like one of those things like I don't want to ever do this again. I don't want to ever investigate again. Mm-hmm. This is I don't want anything like this ever happening to me again. Um, but I kind of glad it did happen in a way because it humbled me as an investigator. It um, it made me kind of rebuild myself, not just as an investigator, but as a man, as a person, as a human being. Uh, it changed so much in my life, and it's, I mean, an entirely different direction in my life, and it's made me who I am today. Uh, thank you know, thank God for that. And um, yeah, it, it it sucked at the time, but it was one of those things that I think I had to go through. To be honest with you, I think I had to because I was thinking I, I was yeah, I was just immature as an investigator at the time. Like I, I didn't, I don't think mm-hmm. I took it as seriously now definitely um i lived in a haunted house and i can definitely say it, it changes you as a person um i was very young when that happened but 
it definitely gives you caution when you into investigations that you probably wouldn't otherwise have because, you know, you hear stories like that, but you may not necessarily think it would happen to you. Um, and so it's, it's when you actually go through it that you realize like, oh, okay, well, there's always a possibility of it rehappening, but, you know, when you're so engrossed in the field that, you know, you just kind of do your best to not have it happen again, but still um, go forward with your passion for the unknown and the paranormal. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, because now, like, I know better now. I, I like, I've, I've changed my way of investing so much, and I, and I, I, and I constantly keep changing it. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm always learning mm-hmm. stuff. Like, people come to these events that I do and try to learn from me, which is great. Hey, but I learn from a lot of people, too. You know, I'm still learning. Like, I'll never stop learning, you know, because it's, it's such a pseudoscience. Like, there's no, like, set way. So you, you can mm-hmm. go with what, you, what works for you, and I pick up stuff from other people, and, um, and that's the way I investigate. I go as, as a – and I tell people this. I go as, in as a complete observer. Like, I don't go in taunting. I don't go in opening myself up to it. And I always tell people, one of the things I try to tell people, like, well, how do you protect yourself from these dark locations? I said, well, for one thing, don't go. Don't go if, especially if you have baggage. Mm -hmm. My baggage is, if you have marital problems, financial problems, health problems, don't go to these darker locations because that's what it latches onto, that dark energy. It'll latch onto the bad things in your life, things that you, you know, maybe your friends don't know about or your spouse doesn't know about or whoever, and it will lock, it'll lock onto that and use it against you, and before you know it, it's destroying your life. Wow. Definitely, and do you think that's kind of why, you know, when we hear stories of people living in a haunted house, it usually does seem to lean on the more negative side of the paranormal? Yeah, I believe um, I, I believe a lot of the paranormal, especially in a lot of the people, you know, have these haunted houses that when they're trying to something bad's happening to them, their kids, whatever, is because of the way they're living their lives. Um, I do believe mm-hmm. that. Uh, I believe you know sometimes sometimes like I people always say, well, how do you have such a good day? How do you always keep upbeat? I say the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is make my damn bed. Make your bed, clean your house, keep that negative energy out of your life. You know, keep on top of things um, and, you know, keep on top of whatever you can, especially in life. And, you know, tell your family you love them, you know, hug them, kiss them, whatever. You know, call your mom, call your dad, and just keep that that, 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 that energy going, that good energy. And I tell you, things will turn around for you. And um, I'm not saying that works for everybody. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say that because, yeah, there are people out there who need, do need help. And some of it is, it could be mental. It could be uh, mental illness that causes some of the paranormal activity in people's properties. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and when you went through this, um, what advice would you give to someone who's also experiencing, you know, activity in their home? Um, I mean, especially if you're not an investigator and you know nothing about this, try to reach out to reputable people, find reputable people. Uh, just don't, you know, Start going through Facebook and picking the first person you find who's an investigator. Not saying that they're good or bad, um, but you want to kind of you know do your research and find you know some of these these teams out there who um, have a background in, in in actually doing research and um, investigating and not coming in and trying to make YouTube videos and things of that nature. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's what I would 
to people is a big thing. You know, just watch who you're bringing into your home because it, it could make it a lot worse. That's great advice. Um, and with the activity that was in your home, um, how did you ultimately come to a resolution? Did the activity kind of cease on its own, or did you do something to clear it? No, I mean, uh, I reached out to people I knew in the, in, in the industry and things of that nature, and they gave me tips and things of that nature for a while. I mean, some of it would work, some of it wouldn't work. It, it worked for a minute. Um, actually, and this may seem so corny, I don't care, uh, I found God. Um, I started praying, mm-hmm. and, and it worked. It, 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 it worked. I was never a religious person, and I'm really still to this day not a religious person. I don't go to church or anything of that nature, but I found God in my own way. And um, and I started praying, and I pray every day. I still pray um, for, you know, for, for good things in life, and, you know, and I, and I, I count my blessings, and um, it worked for me. It really did. And then I put I put it all in the book. I don't you know it, it's out there, guys. Uh, so you you keep that that positive energy in your life that you know that you just surround yourself with the light and um, good things will happen and that darkness will you know kind of stay away. Well, that's amazing. That um, I mean, you really found God and um, that helped you with the, the haunting in your house. Um, I'm so happy that you were able to you know, figure it out and come to a resolution with that. Um, but for people who want to check out the horrors of the house of wills, you can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But also besides your book, um, like I said, you're a very, very busy person. Um, and normally I kind of just go, what do you have upcoming at the end of the show? But you have a lot of events. Um, so do you want to tell the audience about some of the upcoming locations you're at um, and where they can buy tickets for each event. Yeah, um, I got a couple, you know, in October I'm very excited about. I'm getting actually to go back to Fort Delaware after 10 years. I've got a two-night two event there. October 7th I will be there. You could actually go on uh, Diamond State Paranormal uh, on their website and buy tickets for that. Um, I'll be there October 21st as well. That one's already sold out. Um, but I'll also be in Gettysburg at the um, at the Gettysburg at the Gettysburg um, Academy, I do believe there's a few tickets still on sale for that. I don't think it's, I don't I don't think they put a limit on that one. That place is pretty huge. That'll be October 28th. Um, I will be in Cleveland at October Bookstore, which October with a K. Um, October 13th for a book signing. Uh, I think it's only two or three hours. I'll be there. And, God, there's so many in between. Uh, but, yeah, that's the ones right now I'm very excited about. Yeah, you're so busy. Um, I mean, but those are really cool places you get to go to and, you know, share your stories. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that's really fun for you to not only get to go to these locations, but, you know, hear from people, like you said, at book signings who love your book or, you know, just get to see uh, people who, you know, your personal paranormal journey has affected. Yeah, and um, everyone who's listening to, I'll have, you know, copies of my books at all these locations as well for signing and everything, and I'll also be posting. I've, I've had tons of people in the last sign copies and not come to one of my events. I will be posting this week coming up how you can get signed copies, personalized signed copies as well. Just let everybody know. Well, I mean, that's super awesome that you have that available to people. Um, 
I know we're coming towards the end of the show, but there's so many locations that you've been to. I know you said there's a few you would love to follow up on, but if you would go anywhere in the world to investigate, where would you go and why? Oh, man, good question. Um, there's two places off the top of my head. Um, one would be um, the Amityville House. I, I, I mm-hmm. think it would be okay if there's anything there or not. Uh, I would love. I was just talking to Dave Schrader about this over the weekend um, when we were in England. He said the same thing, Amityville, just to go kind of debunk or not debunk um, and see what's there. Uh, another thing would be, uh, I think, uh, Bram Stoker, or, um, uh, Dracula's Castle uh, in Romania, which would be I've heard mm-hmm. great. Grant has been there a couple times. He told me about it, uh, and I've, I've heard so many great stories about it. I think just being there for the history of it would be amazing, you know, to investigate yeah. a location so old and, and so, like, there's so much, you know, it's so bloodshed, there's so much bloodshed there. So many, you know, it's so many things that happened, you know, way back when, and I think it would be so cool just to be a part of that and go see it. Definitely. Dracula's Castle looks so cool. Um, such an awesome location. Um, I mean, yeah, investing there would be amazing. And Amityville, um, yeah, it would be awesome to find out just what's real and what's not real. Um, I feel like, you know, you definitely hear people saying, oh, no, this really happened. But then everyone's like, no, that's fake. So it would be cool to be able to dispel some of that. Yeah, especially Amityville. Yeah, Amityville just you know, just being able to go in that place and just feel it out and, you know, just say, hey, I was there, you know, and take some pictures. And be, um, I don't care if I got the investigator or not, you know, just being there. Mm-hmm. And one more time for the audience, um, let everyone know um, all of the websites where they can find you at um, and, again, where they can buy tickets for your upcoming events. Yeah, so, I mean, you can mostly I, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. So, uh, Daryl Marson, Ghost Hunters, I'm on Instagram. You'll see me with a little blue check mark. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. I don't ask me what the handle is because I never use Twitter or Facebook, um, but I'm on both of those. You can find me. Um, as far as, you know, with the, the Fort Delaware events, you can go on Dynastate um, Paranormal Investigators on their website. They're the ones that are holding the events there. Uh, they have tickets on sale for, I believe, the October 7th event because it just posted that one. Uh, you could go to, um, for the October um, bookstore event that's in Cleveland, Ohio, you could just show up for that. I don't think they're selling tickets. It's just a book signing. So you can go, you know, just check me out on that. And um, as far as um, the, the Gettysburg um, uh, location, you can, um, you, I, I'd ha- I'm going to have to post that one for you because I don't know off the top of my head where you can get the tickets for that one. Well, I want to thank you so much again for coming on today, Daryl. It's been great getting to talk to you. And again, congratulations on all your success within the field and the release of your book, The Horror of the House of Wills. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, and thanks. It's been an honor being on. Well, you're welcome back on any time. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Daryl. Congratulations. Congratulations to you guys, too, in 12 years. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, thanks. Well, fantastic show today, Sophia. Definitely. Daryl was such a great guest. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you, and I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. And also, too, as a dad to another dad, he was 
it was really cool the time he took to uh, meet with our family at the Glen Tavern in event in the past. Um, uh, so Daryl Marston, as you mentioned on Twitter, at Daryl underscore Marston, Instagram at Daryl Marston Ghost Hunter, Paranormal Warehouse at Paranormal WH, Daryl's book, The Horrors of the House of Wills, available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. San Diego City Ghost Tours host, Janine Haynes, she'll be on the program next weekend, uh, the 30th. Paranormal investigator and Dark Raven photography founder Drew Babineau. He'll be on the program October 7th. Author and Ghost Adventures producer, lecturer Jeff Belandre will be returning to the program on 11-4. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming broadcasts. So like the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page to learn of the guest real time, and uh, we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Kitty at Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.